Good morning, Four Oaks. Pastor Paul, it's Friday, end of the week, February 16th. So glad that you have joined us for this last round of our pastoral devotionals. We are working through one of the most monumental, pivotal, controversial, crucial texts in all the Bible, certainly in the New Testament. And of course, we're referring to Matthew 16, verses 13 through 20. This is where Peter confesses that Jesus is the Christ, that Jesus commends him, um, tells him that this was revealed to him by his father, and then promises to build his church. So we have been neck deep in this for the last two weeks, and we're going to draw this portion of scripture to a close and then preach on the back half of this passage this coming Sunday. So let me read one for one more time here, this passage, and then we're going to to dig in. This is Matthew 16, verse 13 and following. Now, when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say that the son of man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah and others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. Now, <laughs> this 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 passage ends on sort of a discordant dissonant note, right? Jesus has just um, honored and glorified and, and lifted up this confession of Peter's, "You are the Christ, the Son of the Living God." He has just promised to build his church. He has given these apostles the authority over um, the church. And then, if that's not enough, um, he tells them he gives them the keys of the kingdom. And, and then, but here we have in verse twenty, this again. This is the discordant note. Then he strictly charged the disciples to tell no one that he was the Christ. And we have to ask, what in the world is that about? If they're if they're articulating this confession if they are being promised that Jesus will build his church through them and their authority, why on earth would they want to keep this silent? Now, you've heard me say before, a big part of biblical interpretation is reading what comes before and what comes after a passage, because obviously when Matthew wrote it, there were not sermon division, I mean, sermon division, text divisions, verses, chapters. It was all one narrative. And obviously we want then to continue, I think, to read into verse 21, which we'll look at in more detail next week to understand what's behind this. Look at verse 21. From that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. So up to this point, the mission of the Messiah has been somewhat obscure it's even obscure right now. Now, Jesus's identity is not obscure. 
what his mission is to build the church is not obscure, but how he's exactly going to do that. What, what, what is, what is the Messiah's specific mission um, in, in this immediate context as he plans to build his church? Now, of course, the popular conception at the time was that the Messiah was coming to conquer. The Messiah was going to be victorious. The Simon was going to, the Messiah was going to rule over the Romans. He was going to lead a popular revolt. But what we know from verse 21 here is that that is not what Jesus has come to do this go around. One day, that's going to be the case when he comes again. But this first go around, Jesus has not come to reign politically. He has come to die. He has come to lay his life down. And this is going to happen at the hands of um, the elders, the chief priests, the scribes, and the Romans. And this is going to baffle the disciples. In fact, it's going to so baffle them that they still don't fully get it until it happens, right? And so this, I think, gives us a sense now of why Jesus is telling them to be quiet about telling others that he was the Christ. And it's simply because of this, that they would have misunderstood the people um, what this Messiah had come to do. They would have been expecting political liberation, but instead, that's, we know that's not what Jesus came to do. Before there could be anything like that at all, there had to be death. Death not to solve political problems, but death to solve spiritual ones. And this is why um, Jesus is, even though he's given the authority of the building of the church to the apostles, he tells them not to tell anyone right now that he is the Messiah. Okay, now, how does that relate then to what happens once Jesus is um, crucified and then raised to life? How then will the mission of the apostles change? And, it, and, and change it does. So um, this is a passage we've looked at a number of times over the many weeks in Matthew, but let's go to the very, very end of the book. Okay, Matthew 28 passage again, we've, we've looked at a number of times. And here, Jesus is gathering his disciples together. They're now apostles. He, they're now going to be his representatives. And Jesus is getting ready to ascend back into heaven. And if there is any doubt in their minds what Jesus wants them to do next, once Jesus is gone, he dispels all confusion. Okay, look back at verse 17, okay, or verse 18. And Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. The messianic secret is no longer a messianic secret, is it? The Messiah has come and suffered and died and rose again. This was a mystery to the nations, to the nation of Israel, but is no mystery any longer. It is only through this death and resurrection that Jesus has conquered sin and death. And now, because of this, Jesus 
takes his apostles, whom he has previously given authority in Matthew 16, and now he tells them, go exercise this authority by proclaiming my name to the nations. Go and, and baptize them. And what that means is go and incorporate them into my church. Okay, that's, Baptism was always a, a sign of initiation, right, of, of membership. And so as people professed their faith in Christ, they were baptized into Christ, they were baptized into the church. And then he says, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So this is where we get this idea of reaching and teaching. They're incorporated into the church, and now you are to teach them in accordance with my word. And just as a reminder, I am with you always to the end of the age. And of course, we know that, that all of this applies to the church today, because we're not at the end of the age yet. The com Great Commission is not yet fulfilled. There are many who still do not know him, have not heard. And we are called to go in the authority, not keeping the Messiahship a secret, but proclaiming it from the rooftops. And again, we see how this passage connects with the one that we've been studying all week. Jesus, in Matthew 16, gives the apostles authority to act on his behalf after he's gone. And here, Jesus is about to be gone. And we see that this authority is now activated in the form of mission and telling others about the good news of Jesus Christ and of binding and loosing. You see how this comes into play? Where, where people are released from the payment and penalty of their sins, not by the naked authority of the apostles, but by the blood and, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And they are spe simply speaking, offering this on behalf of Jesus, binding people, loosing them, uh, proclaiming forgiveness of sins. All of this is what's wrapped up in that authority. And now here's the most amazing thing, and we're going to close this week with this. That authority is still ours. That authority still belongs to the church. We now go proclaiming the forgiveness of sins through the faith, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we do this uh, not on our own authority, but on the authority that Jesus has entrusted to us, the church. And we go and we do this until he comes back, the end of the age, with this precious promise attached to it. Jesus is with us. He's always with us. He's with us through his Holy Spirit, his Holy Spirit who's indwelling us, his Holy Spirit who's empowering us, his Holy Spirit who is going and preparing the way for us. And now um, we simply exercise faithfulness to this mission by uh, proclaiming the good news wherever we go. All right, that's going to wrap it up this week. Um, thanks for making this journey with us. We look forward to unpacking this, um, this passage in sermonic form this coming Sunday. Hope to see you there. Lord, what an amazing mission that you've given us. What an amazing word. What an amazing authority. Not, not a blind authority or naked authority or a, a toxic authority, but authority based upon the good news of Jesus. Lord, it's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you on Monday.